This is the Wealth Standard Podcast, the gold standard in all things financial. Hi, everyone. This is Patrick Donahoe. Welcome to the Wealth Standard Podcast. This is episode 192. We're getting close. Getting close to uh, the 200 the mark. 200. What are yeah. we going to do? I don't know. Maybe you can like you know wear wear some speedos. Like you, wear, you can wear a speedo. <laughs> That's what you want then, for like, your two hundredth episode. I don't know. We we'll get a lot of views. With that you, I was thinking of, Van of, Halen downloads. could play. Van Halen. Let's if you get, could pull let's that off. I would go for that. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, it'd be distracting. I, I don't think, know if I would be able to talk about anything intelligent. I think I'd be lucky if I could get Donny Osmond. But uh, Osmond. E- either way, yeah, man. Well, maybe you could sing a solo for us. You wouldn't we, want we that. Can do, we can do like some Disney. Like you're a Disney guy, right? So you can we can do like a Pocahontas or a- A Pocahontas? You know, the Little Mermaid. Oh, I love or the, the- Classics. They're all classics. Yeah, anyway, okay. Do you watch those with your girls still? Do they still- They're probably too yeah. old now, well, my they? So Jack, he's he's three. three okay. On, three on, yeah, three on the first. Right. And uh, so yeah, we watch- uh, Our big one right now is-, is uh, What's it called? The one in- the Poly- you know, Polynesian islands. Oh, Moana. Moana, yeah. So yeah. he's big in, in Maui. It's Maui time. Oh, nice. Can you say that cool. in, in uh, the rock voice? I have not seen- Can you perfect the rocks? It. You can't perfect the rocks voice yet? No. He has I, an iconic voice. He does? I think does so. Does he really? Yeah. I'll can you do, do, it, can you do the eyebrow thing? And how he like uh, kind of curves the eyebrow? There you I go. I can kind of do it. Looks it. pretty good. Yeah. We have the, the same publicist for a while. Did you really? He's pr- he's, a, he's a super talented guy. Really smart guy. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, we're not here talking about The Rock. We, we could talk about The Rock all day. We're dudes. We're dudes. All right. Yeah. All right. So uh, first, those of you who have left us left us reviews, I guess that whole t-shirt thing worked. It's doing we very got, well. Uh, yeah. So we keep them, keep them coming. If you guys have not left us a review, go on to iTunes, leave us a review, take a snapshot, send us an email at uh, podcast at paradigmlife.net. And we will send you off a T-shirt and some other stuff. So it, it's really important, you know. Pat is acting kind. Of, it's kind of understated. He's a very humble guy, but the reviews are a very, very important thing to any podcast because we want to know what you're thinking. Yeah, absolutely. We want to know how to make the podcast better for you. And if we can bribe you to do that with a free T-shirt, then why not? Absolutely. Right? That's that's going to help our research. It's going to help us get better, and it's going to help us deliver the kind of content that you want. Nope. So please go leave us a review on iTunes. Yep, and then take a yeah, just take a screenshot. We have some really cool t-shirts mm-hmm. right my actually my brother my brother was he was in hawaii this past this past week and yeah he's wearing his t-shirt and all the pictures like yeah free publicity well, that, those are the best t-shirts i i'm always a little leery when when uh people do t-shirts as a marketing tool yeah because typically someone will get it and they'll go oh that's really cool thanks a lot and two hours later it's in a drawer never to be seen yeah. again right these are but cool t-shirts though these are awesome yeah. yeah the logo's cool we went to we actually went to a skating manufacturer to get the the quality of t-shirt that we wanted to get for the like, like skaters like figure, wear. like figure skating no like skateboarders oh, like okay. like bros dudes you know i know I was, I was just kidding oh yeah i was like i was like i don't well i, I have yeah. to have like a sense of humor around you or else i kind of feel awkward but i don't have a good sense you of humor feel, so no, it's awkward anyway sense of humor. I just, yeah. okay all right so yeah it's, it, the t-shirts are yeah they don't there's really no branding on it. it's just our it's our logo it's our name but yeah. I, it's a really cool yeah. it's a really cool paradigm shield there's a yeah. mountainscape in the background and they're very very cool really cool gray color cool all right so a few other announcements then we're going to get into some really cool uh parts of the investors summit at sea yeah because we didn't get to even half of what you know we could have this uh this this past one in episode 190 if you want to go back 190 and to that's it, right yeah uh pat kind of just scratches the surface but i could tell there were some really kind of crazy conversations that were had and these were more of like dinner conversations 
These weren't uh, in, in classes or courses. These were hey, one, one-on-one. Not yeah. necessarily what I learned, but there were some one-on-one. There's actually, I wanted to talk about something else too, which is in regards to, to uh, North Korea, since they're in the news right now, but we'll get to, yeah. we'll get to that. Okay. Uh, okay, so another thing too, I, I really don't ever give an announcements of, with, with other kind of groups that I participate with, but sure. um, but my I was out uh, with uh, my mentor and her husband, uh, Kim Butler and Todd Langford, and uh, they live in Texas on a really cool ranch, and they- They raise uh, alpacas, they raise alpacas. They live like they have this big lake in the front. I mean, it's a it's a wow. Really, it's like a sanctuary. Anyway, I was uh, I was pretty pretty jealous. Did you go out there and went? I have not like, applied myself seriously. I'm like, yeah, you guys have set the bar <laughs> way higher than I. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Kim, my mentor, she uh, she has a it's it's a nonprofit. It's basically to okay. train financial advisors okay. uh, on kind of what she does. And it's a it, for those of you it's who are clients. It's interesting that she would have a nonprofit to train people for money. Yeah, well, it's one of yeah. It's it's a very very interesting very interesting thing that she's that she's doing. But yeah. she's doing it really to. Uh, to help just the financial services uh, industry in, in general. So mm-hmm. she has a summit every year. This year, I'm going to participate. Uh, I'm going to do some of the emceeing and a few other oh, uh, So few you're, other one of, you're one of the faculty. Yeah, so it's going to be- One of the advisors. It's going to be cool because it's it's something that she's just super passionate about. And is she doing put, this at her at her ranch? Is no, that so it's in Park is? City. Oh, it's, it's we here. We should get you to DJ. Done. Dude, we should totally do that. Done, done. Okay. You, you, I'm booked. All right. That's so, that simple. But the point, so the point is, so this is, it's a, it's a summit- it's called the Summit for Advisors. Uh, it's in Park City. It's in July. But you can go to if you are in the financial services industry. If you're, um, even if you're like an attorney, if you're an accountant, real if estate, you're a real estate professional, if you're any anything that has to do with investment and money, uh, it, this is what the the event is about, right? So she brings in a lot of her partners and attorneys. And what about uh, somebody that specializes partners. in like FTC or SEC law? To yeah, keep she, people so, out of trouble. So her, yeah, so she, you know, and I, I don't want to go into a ton of detail, but right. uh, we have the same attorney for the from security side of things. Okay, and uh, yeah, representative typically comes out and and speaks and talks about you know how laws are changing and so forth. Uh, but yeah, there's going to be some really cool speakers. It's in Park City. It's a beautiful time of year. Yeah. But uh, if you want more information on that, go to the summit for the number four, the summit for advisors.com. And we'll put a link on the show notes too. Yeah. Right. And and for those of you who don't know who Kim Butler and Todd Langford uh, is, are, I don't know what the correct verbiage would be there, but, but Kim Butler is a former rich dad advisor. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. And uh, she... In, in just 10 minutes of talking to Kim Butler, I learned more than I probably would have in, a, in like a year of college. Yeah. I mean, she's crazy yeah. cool and so much smarter than me and made me feel like a booger because she's booger. that much smarter than me. Uh, but wow, the information, the education you can get from doing something like this would be priceless, really. Yep. So if you're yeah. in the, yeah, if you're in that kind of genre, is that your, if that's your profession, go check that out. It's going to be a, going to be an awesome time. I think it's three, three days, four days long. We need you. We so, need advisors. Yeah. yeah. Hook up with us. Cool. All right. So one more thing. So the YouTube channel, like right now we're on Facebook live. We're also recording this. So you can go check us. We'll check Changa out on, yeah. uh, on, on Behold YouTube. the Changa. Yeah, lat, so we uh, yeah, so we're gonna do Andy Tanner soon on a, on a podcast, and so we'll, prob- a we'll probably sit man. down for that one because yeah, we, we uh, what we should do for his like I have this picture where he's like he's he's huge, but there's this right. picture we did uh, or I took a snapshot of it. It was at one of the Cashflow Well Summits. Yeah, and like he's 
and I'm just like six nine, like six eight or six nine, six eight six nine. But I I look like like my son who's three years old looking at me. It looks pretty (laughs) funny. So we should put that on the on the notes when we do that. For sure. Okay, but yeah, go to go to YouTube. You know, we have all of our podcasts on there. Uh, A lot of them are video. So uh, and then yeah, the one that we did a few weeks ago, I had tons of feedback on the one uh, the first summit at sea where Megan was on the second part of it. Yeah. Right. And she did great, and, by the way. Yeah. I had a ton of comments. And so, and we videoed it. So we videoed yeah. our part and then we videoed uh, my little interview with, uh, with Megan. Yeah. And so it came out, came out cool. So if you guys want to go check that out. And thanks for all the feedback on that episode. Yeah. That, thank that's you. what, like one of our leading episodes as far as feedback. Yeah. For and last... I, I, it's all because of Megan. Yeah. <laughs> probably. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So it's uh YouTube forward slash paradigm life, right? That's correct. Okay, awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's get into let's get into part two of the the summit at sea. So for those of you who are listening for the first time uh, and did not listen to our episode one ninety, yeah. So the investor summit at sea is is something I've done for for last seven years. Very exclusive. Yeah, it's a, it's put on by the real estate guys uh, mm-hmm. Robert Helms and Russell Gray, and you basically you know you go to a port, uh, or typically in the U.S. Uh, either in uh, South Florida or in this Galveston. In this year it was Galveston. Yeah, and you do a couple That's days. That's a beautiful part of the world. It was Houston. And then yeah. you went to Galveston, but right. yeah. But anyway, uh, it, you do a couple days on on land where you're uh, in classrooms. You're you know there's some speakers that come just exclusively for those couple of days. Yeah. Then you board a cruise ship and are on there with a couple hundred other people Off for an entire week. And instead of you know doing the belly flop contest or you know all that just, corny stuff that nobody likes all to you do can, anyway. all you can eat or all you can drink you're in classrooms like almost the entire time but it's cool because it's kind of like this like investor camp where you get really close with the people that participate yep. you get to know their families you get to know them what they do and you always have very intriguing people you have people flying in from like new guinea uh yeah, the there uk are people from all over the world south there. america i mean they're I'm from everywhere right and mm-hmm. it's really really an awesome awesome event i learned so much make so many amazing connections and and uh, so that was uh, kind of uh, episode 190 is yeah. part of what I learned there. Just this is going sec- to be the second part. Yeah. Yeah. And and we we teased, if you haven't heard it, uh, we teased a, a conversation. Well, there were several conversations that you had with with Robert Kiyosaki and and with Dr. Doug Duncan specifically. Yep. Peter, Peter Schiff. And Peter Schiff. Edward Griffin. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, heavy, heavy hitters. But yeah. there was one in particular, a conversation you had with Dr. Doug Duncan. Yep. Who is the economic? Uh, he's what? What is his the chief economist? So he's a, yeah, he's a chief economist at Fannie Mae. He was the uh, he was the chief economist at the Mortgage Bankers Association before which was, Fannie Mae, right? Yeah, right during the whole economic collapse, he yeah. made the transition. It was right before Fannie Mae went into receivership. Yeah, and you teased. You said, "Hey, look, we I had kind of a uh, a very revealing and somewhat ominous discussion with him yeah. over dinner." Mm-hmm about the housing market and about the government and banks and how they all kind of intertwine together. Yep. And we said, we're not going to reveal that conversation until this episode. Yep. So if you're cool with this, and hopefully Dr. Duncan is cool with this, and this wasn't an off-the-record kind of thing, I would love to hear this. Because yeah. I'm I'm a listener in this one, yep. uh, having not heard. And you haven't even told me. I bugged you after that episode and said, tell me what he said. Well, really, no, we got to wait. Yeah, and it was really kind of like the first dumb, like his his... his uh, uh, stage speech from earlier that day, a presentation, 
Uh, it was the it was the first domino into this com- specific conversation, but also like the entire week. There's so many different correlations to what he was saying. Right, and uh, Peter Schiff was saying, "Well, you, you, we're not going to agree on anything." And yeah, I mean that was that was the initial thing where you know because how how it works is the first day all the speakers do like a 30 second intro ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's longer, not that 30 second, maybe two minute intro of like what they're going to talk about. Sure. And so Dr. Duncan got up there and he's like, "Okay, I'm going to talk about this and this." Just really, 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 uh, you know, summary thirty thousand foot view okay and then shift got up right after he says well i'm probably gonna talk about the exact opposite of what this guy talked about right because it's it's fannie mae you would expect you know a very kind of bureaucratic or in a sense just kind of a glazing over everything's fine don't worry we i all would these expect good, all the these good signs eye. honestly yeah. i would expect some stink eye with sure. a lot of the people that were on that relative to listening to yeah, a guy that dunks from fannie mae sure. yeah and so that's what that's what you expect uh and so you know as he got up and he was one of these uh, first presenters uh it was and he was going to you know go the entire week but i, I guess his his uh, some plans to change or whatever, but mm, okay. uh, but anyway, he got up there. It was a, it was a fascinating presentation because okay. what you would expect him to say, he said almost the exact opposite, which was, you know, we are we're currently in one of the uh, longest housing expansions. Well, we are in the longest housing expansion in history without a correction. Which and, is crazy. And, to he goes, me and, he, and the thing is, Fannie Mae. It's like it's interesting because when he, you know, as he was the you know chief economist of of Mortgage Bankers Association, I mean, he yeah. understood leverage and and interest rates and should how those we, played into the cycle. Well, we're just real quick, should we explain how this happened? Because they they took him out of that position and installed him. The government basically installed I don't, I don't him. Th- in- I don't know. I think that he was. Requ- I don't think they like forced him to do it. I think it was more of a. It wasn't a an assignment. Okay. Yeah. It was more, okay. I, and I, I'm, again, I don't know the logistics of of that. Okay. Uh, but he went to Fannie Mae right as they were going into receivership, right? Yeah. Because if you look at Fannie Mae, I mean, what happened? I mean, and I'll I'll try to make this as easy as possible. But Fannie Mae. In a nutshell, uh, you know, basically is a quasi-government entity that you know raises money and funds mortgages. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they create these bonds. Mortgage a bond, bonds. A bond is just basically a it's like a loan, right? If they if you get a a million dollars, there's an interest rate attached to it, right? And that's that's the loan. But yep. then you can you know buy basically you know buy and sell different units of that of that bond, uh, and based on the prices, it it creates the interest rate. I don't want to get into all, a lot of that, but the mortgage in, the mortgage bond market pretty much like froze during the during the collapse right as i understand it correct me if i'm wrong but they had zero buyers zero buyers yeah when that happened not even one no zero yeah and so that and that's where you know most people know that the you know the fed came in right and they started to buy them off off the market so people Mm -hmm. started to unload that debt Fed came in, but that's kind of where you know Fannie Mae. If you don't have anybody, and there was a lot of blowback stuff, to that, there were a lot yeah. of people that were against that. Where were you yeah. on this? Did you think that was a good idea or a bad idea well, when they started doing this? Um, I, let's see. This was two thousand. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I knew as much then as I know now. Right. Mm-hmm. I think then it was one of those things where I saw everything collapsing and. It, it probably just it just uh, melted or molded into everything else that was going on because sure. it was it was it was chaos everywhere. Oh right? yeah. So Fannie Mae going under, I'm like, yeah, no. If they're if they're you know backing mortgages, so because yeah, I don't want to get into kind of how they fit into it, mm-hmm. but essentially you know the the government started to go in and buy up these like toxic mortgages, right, or toxic bonds. From, a lot of them were forgiven, and a lot of them were no. The Fed were, still owns them. Fed oh, still, they do. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the Fed still. Ha- I think the Fed is the biggest buyer, the biggest owner of see. Uh, I didn't mortgage know that. Bonds. Yeah, really. Okay. Yeah, they still own. They're, yeah, they're. Yeah, they still. They still own them. Okay. And so, and I want to get into kind of how the Fed balance sheet works, but the Fed balance sheet is just it's massive. 
right? Yeah. And that's that was a whole, you know, very similar to quantitative easing, right? Where, you know, the Fed the Fed bought up mortgages, right, with, you know, Fannie Mae and, and others. Uh-huh. Uh, but then also they started to buy up uh, government, more government debt. That's the whole kind of quantitative easing things where you basically just, you know, manipulate the interest rate market or the bond market based on them just creating money out of thin air. So it's kind of like- And the argument was, had they not done this, then you would have had 25%. Yeah. And that's what he, yeah, know. that's what he said is, you know, if they didn't step in, like- Fannie Mae would have defaulted. Mm-hmm. Uh, all these banks would have, you know, gone under. It would have created, you know, just turmoil a, a on Wall Street. A full depression, yeah. arguably. And yeah. they said he'd be. It's like it would be twenty five percent unemployment, and and so that's kind of where you know our dinner discussion because that night all the speakers went out to to uh, eat, yeah. and and I sat in, and they sat me right. I mean Robert Helms, thank you. So like sat me right next to him. Wow. And yeah, so it was cool because I got to have just a fascinating conversation. I think for that kind of goes to show what the real estate guys think of you that they would put you well, right next to this guy from. You well, know, that's just how they. That's how they are. They're just like I mean, yeah, I don't. They're amazing. They guys. love you. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I, Can I you blame? Doubt they love me, yeah. but but no, I, it's just more of like these are these are opportunities that you know, they're just yeah once in a lifetime type of opportunities. Yeah, for sure. So as we were talking, I mean, I, I wanted to go into more of those details, and those details revolved around just kind of like you know what was going on during that time, and that's where he yeah. you know we're kind of going through you know what what happened. Because very few people, I would think, there's very few people that would have more intimate knowledge as to what was happening at the highest level yeah. than a guy like Doctor Doug Duncan, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and it was you know, and this kind of goes to some of the other top, some other aspects of this conversation I wanted to to get into. But uh, this is what happens when you just when you have easy money, right? When monetary policy is so loose, this is what you happen. You have mal mal investment. I want to get into uh, that right now. Uh-huh. But he, everybody, go watch the Big Short. They yeah. explain it in the Big Short. Too big to fail is a, is a is a good oh, one. That one's in, great too. Inside Job is also a I really good one. one. Yeah, that's a do- it's more of a documentary. It's narrated by Matt Damon. Okay, but it goes through like. It, I mean, if you want to get like a wake up call, watch that, watch that a, a few times because you okay. have to kind of, and you may need to have your computer out to start, you know, looking up terms and looking up kind of how things, how mm-hmm. things work in the, in the, uh, you know, in the financial Those are side the of things. best kind of documentaries though, right? Yeah. But it, it but it, it's, it's just like, it's a whole cycle of academia, Wall Street, the mortgage industry, central banks. I mean, it's. But yeah, I won't get into. It's a whole of, scene, man. It's <laughs> yeah. a whole scene. No, it's crazy. But he, but Dr. Duncan kind of confirmed everything that that I had had been learning over the over the course of of time. Okay. And I was and I was ver- I was fascinated by his candor because you would think that you know someone at his his level and his position, right? He he'd be you know he'd uh, f- uh, filter certain things, but he doesn't right. have. What's interesting is that there's not much oversight as far as. Uh, you know what he can and can't release, right? And he just Wait, so is that was that yeah. back then or is that now? It's now, right? And, and it's wow. and back then. I mean, it, it's like he's it's just statistics, making all as much statistics available, as many statistics available as possible. One of the things that was was incredible uh, was that he started to institute surveys, right? Mm-hmm. So what he would do is, and I think they send out like a thousand surveys a month. But this was when they, you know, to had, just the general public, or these yeah. are mortgage holders through Fannie Mae or mortgage holders. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So and and it goes to and ask different questions about different things. But, you know, a lot of it was with, you know, some of the Housing Release, uh, Relief Act where, you know, you could go in and, and if you had an adjustable rate mortgage, you could, uh, you know, refinance it. And, and there was just a lot of misconception there that they discovered in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But now they use you know, surveys to kind of figure out like what's, what people are thinking, they have kids mm-hmm. living at home. Like, why are they living at home? Uh, are yeah, do they have a job? Are they part time? Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're trying to just find certain things out just by asking people, as opposed to just having stats, right? Because stats are are somewhat objective, right? 
but the behavior is subjective. So you don't know like what's causing the stats necessarily. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have the subjective like feedback from surveys, yep. then you're just going to guess, right? So anyway, so he started to institute uh, a lot of a lot of that. Kind of liken it to two sportscasters looking at the same quarterback and coming up with two wildly different results. The for, numbers are all there for sure, and yeah. the, the numbers are all the same. They're saying this, but they come to the completely same, different opinions. Yeah, exactly. So, so it was, it was fascinating because yeah, he, as he started going to the conversation about just the you know the 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 whole the, everything that they did, the big bailout and all the quantitative. I mean, it, it saved us from. 25% unemployment. And that's why I started to push back. And I said, well, did it really save us? Right. I mean, it prevented it, but it did, did it solve the problem? Right. And that's what we started to get into. Like, wow, what's, what's going to occur down the road? And I, and I, you know, I asked questions because my, my big thing was, you know, going, if you watch the big short, you'll realize this, but my big thing then was, well, why, you know, when, when they're doing a bailout and when they're trying to, you know, just calm the financial markets, why did they pay hundred cents in the dollar for, for derivatives? Because really what caused most of this, uh, was that, you know, you, it wasn't the default of these mortgage bonds, which is a, a, a big ordeal. The ordeal that was way bigger than that was that you had investors that were buying essentially insurance contracts that if these bonds went into default would pay them out. Okay. And you had, and, it, and it made it makes sense if you own the the investment, right? right? You buy insurance on it. You buy insurance if it went into default. So if yeah. I buy this and it doesn't so work you're out, protected. I'm protected, right? Yeah. But people were able to buy that insurance even if they didn't own the bond. So I basically, I was oh, trying wow. to press them and, and try to understand like, okay, why didn't they like settle with those people or not pay them at all? Yeah. Right. Or like, you know, negotiate. So it's not yours to begin with. Negotiate those, those yeah. contracts. Right. Yeah. Because uh, a lot of those banks were going into to bank, you know, like they, they went, a lot of them went into default. A lot of them were taking, uh, you know, fed, fed money. Anyway, there, there, there was the opportunity to do that. So I was asking like, why? It was open chaos there yeah. for a couple and of And then, yeah. so then I pressed on, okay, well, like right now there's more derivatives than there are, than there were then. And then he he talked about, you know, really the housing expansion. I'm like, well, you know, the housing expansion has, has occurred, but why has it occurred and who is, is buying? Because it's so it was so difficult for like 2010, 2011. If you were foreclosed on or if you were late on your mortgage, you can't just go get another yeah, loan. It. You're not, you, right? you, yeah, have to, you have to rent. So who's like, who's buying? So that's where we, you know, kind of got into a, a conversation, which was one of those dominoes that spilled into the rest of the week uh-huh. because, you know, there was a, a few other okay, people so that my, talked about I it too. I do have a question though. And, yeah. and um, I hope I'm not getting too sidetracked here, but uh, I think there's a lot of people that are listening now that are thinking, okay, is it is it? I do remember how hard it was to get a mortgage back in that back in the day, where they said, look, yeah, if you don't impossible. have a massive down payment and mm-hmm. impeccable credit. credit, yeah, perfect credit, forget it, it's yeah. over. Yep. But then a couple of months later, it kind of started to change. So where are we now? Is it is it still just as hard to get a mortgage nowadays? No, I mean or there was it, there was something recently that came out where. Uh, they're making it even easier. I mean, the the down payments, uh, you know, are less and less and less and less, meaning people don't have to come in with as much money. Mm-hmm. Then also in lending, you have what's called the debt to income ratio, which measures right. how much you're paying on debt per month, mm-hmm. right, versus how much you're making. And basically, wasn't it like three times your your yeah they use a ratio yeah they like usually kind of that thirty three percent thirty eight percent thirty eight percent yeah. But now what they're what they're doing is they're not counting, uh, and I have to verify this, but it, it came from Fannie Mae supposedly. But they're not counting uh, certain debt payments, like student oh, no, loan like student debt, loans. student loan debts. Oh, so now no. that doesn't factor because the student into loan, the affordability. Because the student loan is such a big problem for people. Yeah. So now so it's, they're just it's, erasing. They're, 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 lot, so they're the creating road. an increase. Again, it, it comes to this whole idea of, of supply and demand, right? There's this. 
there's this fear that most traders and you know the government has, which is they don't want the economy to decline, right? Or go down. Like they don't want prices yeah. to go down. But it's kind of like for them, it doesn't make sense. But for us, it's like, I want why? I, I mean, prices going down is awesome for us, yeah. right? Which means sure. our money's going to stretch. But they want you know the prices to keep going up. Anyway, I'm not, we won't get into whole the whole inflation, the inflation thing. Yeah, but that's the idea is that they're increasing demand, right? Increasing the demand for housing because now you're allowing more well, people hearing, to qualify for mortgages to buy a house. Okay, because I keep hearing that housing, like home ownership, is still at like a 50 year low. Well, or it is something crazy, but and it is, but he, but and this got, kind of went to who's buying. Right, who's buying these homes? Is it is it corporations or is it individuals? Well, or well the, it... it's well, it's it's uh, it's a combination. But if you look at the buyers that uh, you know increased in size as kind of like a you know as, as a populace, mm-hmm. it's it's foreign buyers like China uh, or India. Um, you have a huge That's amount of good. money that came in from uh, from overseas, okay. right? That was, I mean, if you look at just the capital markets around the world. I mean, the U.S., despite our problem, still looks really attractive. Now, and there's only so many places to put money in the U.S. Right. at a high dollar amount. Well, I heard about China, Russia coming in buying up commercial property, but you're talking about individual home properties yeah. as well. Yeah. So there, so because wow. there, there's been a lot of there's been funds that are created, mm-hmm. right? They'll go out and buy like a, a hundred homes or a thousand homes. You had you had BlackRock at one point that was spending a hundred million dollars a week on single family residences. Oh my gosh! Right, and they own a ton and but and here's the yeah and they did do a lot of commercial there's a lot of commercial development as well right uh, but that you know th- there was a more of an investment side of things where these private equity groups these venture capital groups they would create funds there's a lot of foreign uh, people that came in did funds i mean you had a lot of just international family offices which are these you know just kind of private holding companies for lots of money so and capital this, this they came a- in and started buying homes but they bought them they didn't buy them with leverage. They didn't buy them with with mortgage with a mortgage with the, with the bonds. They bought them with uh, you know just with cash. Now it's different because with a single family residence, what's you know these guys say, are, why does it matter? How, well, these what? yeah, they, these guys are used to buying like a bond or or a, uh, something where you pay into it and you get an interest payment. Okay, right? and you could put in you know a billion dollar. Well, I mean not a billion, but hundreds of millions of dollars in these type of instruments. Uh-huh. Right, and the interest just comes. You know, there's really no like maintenance associated with it. But with the house there's maintenance right there's cost there's you know you have a tenant come in you have to get reserves you have to you know fix this and fix that so it's it's yeah. not the same type of investment right so really looking at i would say the interesting point is that yeah you've had this huge amount of expansion Without yeah. a correction, it seems like a pretty low yield for somebody. Even even if you're spending hundreds of millions of well, dollars, these guys because they of don't upkeep. and they don't want. I mean, they don't want like these like double digit returns, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the case with uh, you know uh, most like uh, retail, not retail, but like the the mom and pop guys are, that own you know maybe 50, fifty homes, right? Yeah, yeah. They the those type of investors that actually know yeah. what they're doing. These guys want like four percent returns or five percent returns. They don't care about higher returns. But here's the here's the deal. It's like They've been investing, right? And it, and they invest with leverage, mm-hmm. right? So essentially, if they leverage, whether it's an option or, I mean, there's a number of ways that they can leverage. But usually, if there's a correction, right, the, the amount of leverage that they have could be called into question. And therefore, they would need to come up with like liquidity or cash. Yeah. So if there's ever a, like a significant, I don't even think it has to be that significant. But if you have a private equity fund that like, you know, they're, they get called, hey, we need some liquidity because your positions are, are over leveraged. They have to go sell stuff now. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and they're used to just selling something on the open market. 
right? And it, and they get money. They, there's a buyer just waiting to buy. To even everything. But at else. home, it's totally different. You right. can't just take like, hey, let's. I need. We need a hundred million dollars in cash. Let's go sell hundred million dollars worth of real estate. It doesn't happen like overnight. That's a, yeah. that's a process. So anyway, it's like a lot of the demand for housing has not been created by homeowners been created by really these big groups now here's the interesting that's why the numbers aren't making sense yeah and that's well that's why you've had the expansion right because these guys don't care about you know huge yields and they can carry even if they have like negative yields they can carry that for a a lot more than like a homeowner or or like a a mom and pop type of investor Mm -hmm. can but here's the deal it's like if you look at you know this recent thing by fanny to uh, loosen their guidelines now you're creating another buyer pool for the guys that want to sell, mm-hmm. right? Because you have a lot of these, you know, a lot of millennials that are, you know, they're starting to have families, they're moving out of an apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he showed, he, you know, Doug Duncan showed a lot of these statistics that, that indicated that that could be the case. There's more of a trend mm-hmm. toward that. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting because those are going to basically, you know, those people are basically going to pay uh, the, um, you know, pay these other guys off that bought over the last several years at market mm-hmm. value. But why do you think they reduced guidelines? Because these millennials are, or why they fle- make these guidelines more flexible? It's because these uh, millennials they they have a lot of debt, They're and not they don't have out. a lot of income, yeah. right? And they they can't afford the price that those properties are currently at. Mm-hmm. So what they have to do is Devalue they have them. to well either they do that or they loosen the guidelines. So that they can qualify, which for the is in same a way amount. devaluing it, right? It is because yeah. that and that really is what they're just trying to like keep everything going up and up and up and up, and they do everything possible until it can't go up anymore, and that's where you have a correction. And there, the correction could come in so many different ways, but yeah, like he's like he was saying, it's like these corrections could come from you know tax cuts, more deficit. It could come from you know just a spark in the bond market, uh, the Dow declines because of this, that, or the other. I mean, who knows what's mm-hmm. going to come from? But the correction, I was trying to argue with, not argue, but discuss with him. Listen, back like 2008, 2009, it's not like they they fixed everything, right? Well, they that's the deferred, big question. Right? They deferred the issue and made it you know kind of worse. So kind of worse. Yeah, well, you're saying it's worse. Yeah, because you have more derivatives. You have everything that kind of came back, but you use like art of you know money out of nothing to yeah. do it, yeah. right? And it, and that's where the whole malinvestment comes in, where people are just buying because there's so much. Because they have a bunch of cash, I'm just gonna go buy so stuff. When there, and it just so when jacks there's a correction, though, well, hold on a sec. Because when there's gonna be that correction, what happens? Because you you can't possibly have the same thing happen again. Right, there's fail safes. Well, it depends. That have... I mean, let's say that the, you know, and again, this is all hypothetical. Right. But let's say that you know suddenly the, the you know Europe gets their act together, which I don't think is ever going to happen. But <laughs> you or you have you know China or you have Russia or you have you have groups that are like, okay, my money is no longer safe in the U.S. I want my money out. That's the correct. What are they going to do? They're going to sell, yeah. and then get their money out. And like, and there's not like, because back in like 2008, 2009, you had like you know millions of homeowners. Mm-hmm. Right now, you don't have millions. You have like a well, you do have millions, but you have these big groups that own tons, like millions of homes. Mm-hmm. So they all start dumping. Okay, now it's like, oh crap, that group's like liquidating. Then it waterfalls into like wow, that on, group's doing like well. I'm getting bank. out. I'm getting out. I'm getting out. Yeah, and now it's like. That could co- so I mean, say, again. This is all say, spec. This is all conjecture. I have no idea. What's well, of course, about. and and that's and I think that's important for everybody to understand is that yeah. this is just 
reading the tea leaves, basically. Yeah. But uh, did he give you any sort of uh, timeline based on his opinion? No, I mean he, he, yeah, he didn't offer. Any, I guess he's got to be really careful really, about that. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, because it's it would all be conjecture on his part too. Like he was yeah. just stating, here are the statistics. Here are what my surveys say. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what ha- what's happening with millennials, and they want you know they're leaving home and they're buying more, which. Wasn't you know most people were on the assumption that well millennials are going to like stay downtown and they're going to live in apartments and they're going to but well they were saying that even just a couple of years ago and his statistics show that that is not necessarily the case but he he also one of the other topics he he went into was the idea behind Trump right because Trump wants to do something similar to what Reagan did Mm -hmm. uh, where he totally reformed the tax code but he did so when we didn't have a uh, I think we had a budget surplus now we have a massive like trillion multi-trillion dollar dollar budget deficit um, that's accumulated plus we still have a yearly deficit where we're where Mm -hmm. the government's spending way more than they're making so if you cut taxes it's going to exacerbate that issue so it's but at the same time, there's so many different initiatives that he has. And that's what Duncan kind of broke out in one of his presentations is he said that, okay, here are all the different initiatives with, with Trump. You have immigration, uh, you have taxes, uh, you have uh, health care. I mean, there's all these yeah. different variables. Right. And depending on what those variables do and how they play out could affect affect everything. But okay. that just leads me to believe that, wow, there's multiple ways in which we can have a correction. But, I mean, he also said, you know, it could go on for another year. I mean, it's just one of those things where you, you never know until it's, you know, in, so in hindsight. So if you're a consumer, how can you, is there something, and maybe you don't know the answer to this, but if is as a consumer, to take that Kiyosaki kind of mentality where it's like, hey, I want to pay as little as possible to the government. I want to manipulate the existing system as much as I can. Yeah. Is there a way that a young American can capitalize on this? Is there a way that you can benefit from this right now? If you're thinking about owning a home or if you're mm. thinking about uh, maybe starting your own real estate business, mm. uh, is there something that you can do now knowing what you know? Knowing that it is possible, but you're gonna you're gonna behave a certain way yeah. to do things. Well, I would say first with the real estate, I mean, this, and I'm, and I, you know, go, I think I was scarred a little bit on, on like 2008. Oh, how could you not be? Yeah and, yeah, and so I'm still like very like cautious, even though I, I've done a ton of real estate over the last several years. I'm still I'm still really cautious, especially right now. Mm-hmm. So I would say, and I told a buddy of mine this a couple of weeks ago. He's like, Hey, I'm thinking about getting into real estate. I'm like, Okay, listen, learn it. Don't do it. Okay, because mm-hmm. learn it. it until you're an expert, and and there may be a correction. That might be the best time to get in. Yeah. So anyway, looking at really what going to your question, what they could do. So here's here's kind of what I walked away from the the summit with, because mm-hmm. there was a few other speakers that talked kind of uh, about being self sufficient, being responsible, mm-hmm. um, and and I would say the same thing to everybody that that's listening. It's if you really look at me, you, like, I don't know. I, I don't know how thing, all things work. I know that they work, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't know how they work. I, I mean, this iPad, it's like, right. well, it's there's light and there's words on it. Like, I don't know what's inside. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't know how to build, build magic, that. Pat. It's just magic. It's magic. And then there's like these, you know, these uh, invisible waves that connect it to this, you know, thing that Al Gore created. And you have like <laughs> you know, all these. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it, it's so like, if you really just step back and think like, wow, this is like, I've I, I use it. I I'm in it every day, but I have no idea what the heck it is. Have you ever watched that show? It's a Canadian show called How It's Made. Yeah, yeah, I've it's watched a, a few of those. Fascinating. It is, and that's that's the and thing scary is, at the same time. So I, what I would say, if you're just the regular person, it's number one. I would say it's understand how the system works, like the monetary okay. system, right? Okay. And there's so many d- cool documentaries we've already mentioned. Several. A lot yeah. of books that are that are out there. Throw out some books. 
Um, for the show notes and things like that. What do you think? Oh gosh. Um, yeah, I would say. What are some, what are some what are some books? I mean, if you want to tackle a big one, it's Creature from Jekyll Island. Yeah, I'll we've teach referenced you about, that many times. Yeah, yeah. and it, or you can read like Connor Boyack's The Creature from Jekyll Island. Yeah, read the kid version. <laughs> the kid version. I read That's that right. to Jack last last night actually, and he's only three, so I was just he was like the octopus. He likes the pictures, the octopus, yeah. and the you know the the like scary eyes and the octopus. Yeah, shout anyway. out to Connor Boyack yeah. by the way. We're gonna have him back. Yeah, for soon. sure. No, yeah, we're gonna have people some, love him. Yeah, there's some cool things we want to talk about. But anyway, yeah, I mean, it's read that. That's that's a that is like a a treatise on like kind of what's going on with the Federal Reserve. Okay. Uh, I would say, you know, uh, Economics in One Lesson by Henry Hazlitt. Uh, you can do, um, you know, maybe The, the Road to, to Serfdom by F.A. Hayek, you can, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, one of the books that I thought was very interesting that Kiyosaki like loves, it's it's called The, uh, the Grunch of Giants hmm. um, by uh, Buckminster Fuller. But also he talked a ton about it in his, I think he wrote a couple years ago called Second Chance, Kiyosaki's book. Mm -hmm. Second Chance is actually a really good one too. Hmm. Uh, Peter Schiff, How a Comedy Grows and Why It Crashes. That's a really good one. Um, I I think that's years of reading material right there, Pat. I think that's a good start. Yeah, that's a good start. But I think it's just going to give you an idea of like how, you know, it talks about kind of business cycles and how monetary policy influences business cycles. But, you know, in the end, it's it's one of those things where, you know, one of the things referenced by Kiyosaki is the whole idea of of be, do, have, which is you you need to understand, you know, things are not just going to come to you right by your expectation mm-hmm. they're going to come to you because you know you're in a position where you're knowledgeable with that knowledge you're going to know what to do and then after you know what to do you will you will have right okay. so it comes down to what you can do to understand what's going on take advantage of situations capitalize on opportunities that i, I guess that's probably the best you know the best uh, advice okay. i got which is yeah, I mean, you had you had uh, uh, Chris Martinson and Adam Taggart who have uh, the podcast Peak Prosperity. Mm-hmm. And although there's some things that I don't necessarily uh, agree with them on, I think what was really fascinating, which I loved, is this idea of of being uh, self sufficient because they you know walked away from corporate jobs, just did a lot of research on kind of what's going on, mm-hmm. uh, hooked up with Kiyosaki to to a degree, and, and are, is uh, part are part of his kind of entourage yeah but they're they're really big on like you know take care of yourself take care of your body right take care of your health uh grow uh grow produce like have you know live where you know that's you have some land where you can be self-sufficient with this what is you interesting grow. to me yeah and it and it's and it kind of goes to your whole prepper you know your prepper con last week that you yeah. that you went to uh but it's it, it, you know chris martinson really really nice super nice guy and it, you know it's just more of just being responsible being self-sufficient understand like hey if crap hit the fan yeah. and you had to get out of dodge like you know how to survive right yeah and it may be for a day or two or but I would say in the end, it's like understand like being responsible for your for your life and not dependent on 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 others. Well, it's a really so. interesting thing to me. A couple of years ago, I put together this event with uh, with a couple of friends of mine uh, called PrepperCon, and it's for preppers. Oh, you created it? I, I'm one of the creators Dude, I didn't of it. Know yeah. That. Oh yeah. And Dude, uh, well, we did, I'm not we did surprised. We, why, no, I I'm not a prepper in any way. <laughs> I, I looked at. I thought, well, you're let, a closet prepper. I, I wish that were the case, but this was a pure business thing where I looked at, at a hole in the marketplace and said, okay, what, what kind of an event can we do yeah. that it, where, where certain life groups within the community yeah. are not being served? Yeah, yeah. 
well, preppers would be it because you've got people on the right, you've got people on the left, and they all share one thing in common, which is an inherent skepticism or distrust of the status of the, quo of the system, yep. and the system and the government. And yep. so I thought, well, geez, this appeals to both right and left. This might be fantastic. And boy, we were right. Mm-hmm. And so it's really cool to kind of see everybody coming together, hippies and granolas and ultra, ultra left wing people and ultra, ultra right wing people all kind of coming together and kind of smiling at each other and saying, hey, look, we we all want to stick it to the man equally as bad. And uh, and and I've learned I'll tell you what I've learned in the three years I've been doing this an awful, awful lot about how to prepare yourself and how to just it's not just about growing, growing weed to make hemp pants. Yep. It's all about, uh, (laughs) you know, one of the biggest things that we sold at PrepperCon this year was silver. Wow, interesting. That was one of the biggest things. Yeah. We had silver brokers and gold brokers there yep. uh, because people are worried about the very thing that you're talking about here today. So it's yep. not mm-hmm. just zombie hunters and doom and gloom and that kind of stuff. It's people saying, hey, look, I, I am really, really concerned about yeah. the status of our society and I need to be prepared for that. Yeah, and that's and, and most people listening right now will be like, well, why would some people they've been listening for a while understand like why would they do silver why would they do gold like what what yep. like what's the what's the purpose in in that but once you kind of understand monetary policy and you understand how the value of doing something fi- like that fiat currency works and the situation that the US is in yeah right if you put all those variables together then you know silver and gold is is the outcome now i don't want to give it all away right now this is kind of goes to if you don't understand that equation mm-hmm. do do some get get educated and understand why why that is and if mm-hmm. you start paying attention to that that's when you're going to you know understand more and will be able to make some decisions that protect you protect your family protect your business and the more self-sustaining you can yeah. be the safer you're going to be yeah cuz right now sure. it's it's kind of like it, and this is maybe we'll end with this this was a, a fascinating kind of like Discussion I had with uh, with with Peter Peter Schiff, mm-hmm. but we were we were talking. Oh, we about- can't end yet. We've got to talk about uh, what's his face, the the kid that eats the cheese, the North Korean guy. The we've eats, got to, we've got to, we've got to talk the about the, the, the kid that eats all the cheese. What's it, Kim Jong? Kim Jong Un. Yeah, yeah, Kim, yeah. Kim Jong Un. What I don't understand. What's the eat no, the cheese thing? Is he like this? a Packers fan or something? No, he had to go. He had to go to uh, to a fat camp. Oh yeah, that's right. That's he had to go to a full blown because he he was going to die, and the reason he was going to die is because he, he ate, ate too, too much, much cheese. cheese. That's right. I did hear that. Oh jeez, isn't okay. that awesome? All right, so here's so here's the thing we had, and, and this is totally like conspiracy theory. So okay, maybe we'll just cut this last part out. All right, okay. Uh, but it, it was it no was, wait, we're not cutting. But this. It was cool. So a couple so a couple years ago, and I've talked I've actually talked about this on the podcast before. Okay, um, but a couple years ago, I took uh, some of the guys to the Federal Reserve branch that's here in Salt Lake. Right. Right. Which is part of the San Francisco Federal Reserve uh, right. Bank. Uh, so essentially, uh, you know, we had a book in advance, like a tour. Uh, they do private tours for, for free. Yep. And you can't just like show up and say, hey, you know, give me give me a tour. No. So they, re- I think they do some research on you or whatever. But we went to the, the Federal Reserve branch. Yeah. And it was really, it was really cool. And so we were in there and this is where kind of like banks will take all the their the currency they get at their well for deposits or whatever and they go and they exchange it for new new bills. Sure. And they do all the exchange there. Okay. And and so they showed us like these brand new like pallets of there's like a hundred million dollars on like a pallet of like hundreds, like wow. C notes just right there. Oh, like dude. wow, that's amazing. But then did you just sit and gaze? Yeah, and... we were just and there was like more than that. I mean it was it was crazy. And they took us like you know, multiple, and this is here multiple, in Utah. Just yeah. piled up everywhere. Yeah, and they took us like I think it was like six or seven floors below like the you yeah. know, ground level. And and then they you know they have 
like more more vaults there. More but this money. is yeah, it's 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 kind of crazy. But anyway, in the uh, my point is they have this like uh, they have this machine which cycle so when the when a bank de- uh, drops off their old currency yeah. and they essentially get a pallet of new yeah. then crisp shiny new yeah, ones what they what they do at the what the fed does is they they screen all the money through this machine uh-huh. right and i i believe it counts it uh it also screens for um uh bills that like are tarnished and they're you know just Damaged. not not in circulation anymore like they have holes in it or rips or paper or whatever okay. uh but it also screens for counterfeit Okay. okay. And okay. It, and so this is where, you know, the conversation with Peter Schiff started where I said, yeah, we, we did this whole tour. And, you know, the guy that was giving us the tour, he's like, yeah, the number one counterfeiter in the world is North Korea. And North Korea is, uh, they have- Really? Act, they have plates. They have actual plates. They have, they have dollar plates that they print off plus p- the paper. The only thing they don't have is like the- the strip, like the ink, the the uh-huh. ink and the strip is like a proprietary. There's they have not been able to fabricate it in it. through the fabrics yeah. of the paper. Yeah, and then they said that the North Korea is the biggest counterfeiter of all major world currencies. So then, as we were talking at dinner, this is the first time I put it together. But we I, we looked up the the GDP of North Korea, uh-huh. right? Which is like two point seven billion dollars, which is nothing. Nothing. It's like yeah. it's there's some like Caribbean islands that are more than that. Yeah. Um, and their and their biggest uh, export part. Partner or trade partner is China. I think, the, I think the Jackson family makes more than that. The don't Jackson they? family. I don't. Know, maybe. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so, but here's the deal. It's like they have all this military equipment. They have the whole country to run on that mm-hmm. money. Is like it's in, it's insane, right? There, it's like Rhode Island probably operates on like a hundred times more than oh sure <laughs> more than that. Yeah. So so the so we went and looked at like the the major exports uh-huh. and they're like coats. It's like it's like textile, like fa- fabrics. Uh huh. Like they they export their coats to. To China, it was a major trend. Like that does not make phony North any Face sense. jackets. No, no, they're they're like we looked up some of their coats and they're like these, and maybe they are like phony North. Face. Yeah, I don't know if they are, are sophisticated. No, to that but they're level. just crappy coats. That yeah, they're but it but it goes to like well, how do they afford everything? And it's like and that's where I put two and two together. Maybe, maybe I, I could be totally wrong, right? But how do you know? How do how does a, a C note like a hundred dollar bill make its way from like North Korea into the U S? You launder it. You yeah. launder it through product. Uh, like, through black like market. Phone. Yeah, sure. So you go black market, then they Phony trade Rolexes. it, then they trade it, then they trade it, then they trade it, then it comes all the way to the United States. Anyway, that's- So it finds its way in that way. For sure. And that's where I'm like, well, that makes- that make, And I could be totally, totally wrong. But no, it's, it sounds very feasible to yeah. me and terrifying all at the we, same we've time. We've just totally gone off the off the. Off the but reser- he off the eats reservation. a lot of cheese, Pat. I know he has to pay for we it somehow. Talk, that's right. We got to talk about this because <laughs> they're importing a lot of cheese. Because you know they're not making it there. Wow, <laughs> that's that's. Uh... But it was fascinating. I mean, it was just. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a kind of a cool, kind of a cool end to the, you know, end to the event is having that that conversation. But I, just, yeah. I still need to do a little bit of research on research on that. We got to come back now. Let's do it. It's part three. Do a, yeah. Do, do some more of it. See if I'm full of crap or not. So if I'm full of crap. Please email me. And let me know. Because <laughs> well, yeah, sure. I, I mean, my thing is, it's like it was just it was just interesting to me that you had they have a negative trade balance, it's right? Weird so they're they importing ones. No, they're not they're, one hundred dollar bill. Oh, hundred dollar bills. bills. Yeah. Okay. So so my point is, it's like they so they they their GDP is two point seven, but their uh, I believe their uh, their export or their imports are like almost four billion. So they're okay. they're on a negative trade. So it's kind of like, well, where's the money coming? You know, where, it's how coming are they? From China, it's coming from Russia. Well, the, well, China is, you know, they're importing there. They're importing from a, f- a couple other places, but yeah. you know, where's the other money coming coming from? Right, they're paying yeah. those those partners. Right, how do they? How, I mean, they don't have bond anyway. So I, 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 maybe I need to do some more research on that. Where's but it's the just a cheese coming from? If you could find that out, Korean man. cheese. That doesn't sound good. No way. That's yeah. nasty. That's yeah. That's some. 
horrible. Genius. Nasty. Well, this is uh, very insightful and, uh, as usual, kind of uh, disturbing in, in a way that's kind of scary. Uh, but uh, it uh, it makes me want to run out and start buying property. I don't know why. It's probably like the yeah. worst instinct I could possibly have. Yeah. But no, I think yeah, real estate. It's it's in, it's interesting because I think we're in just such a fragile time. I think there's still going to be there's always deals, but it's yeah. one of those like wow. There's there's some just there's some things that don't make. Sense. I mean, Salt Lake City is a perfect example. It's like you have like apartment buildings going up everywhere. I'm like yeah. where where are people coming from? And then also if you look at like the lending that's happening on it. Like what are they? What's the financing look like? And it, the financing is super. It's really. It's still cheap. I have heard that and our it's population, high high leverage too. I've heard that our population has grown nearly four hundred thousand people just since January. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's it, insane. It's just great. I mean, try to try to drive in Salt Lake uh, during traffic. Oh, good luck. It's ridiculous. It used to yeah. be so easy. Yeah, not anymore. Now it, it's, it's really really crazy. This this uh, town is exploding. But it's sure. all new. It's like brand new stuff, and it's like we're. I mean, because yeah. you look at like you look at the developers, and you look at you know the leverage. They, they still get I mean there's a lot of it's way different than like 2007 2008 yeah but there are a lot of signs that are that are similar and so I would say yeah it's just right now I mean my I'm I'm in a lot of cash I mean, I'm just like li- I'm trying to be that's as li- what you're li- doing now li- is liquid cash? as possible yeah just in India and I have what, are you doing silver gold and yeah I, like I've that? done that for a long time I had to like How are you okay. yeah back during like the whole I mean this was before you know gold and silver like spiked but I had to sell yeah. almost all of it yeah. Right, because I just I didn't have any money left. Right, <laughs> so I no, pay my I, bills. I, hey, I was there. I, yeah. I had an old box uh, out in my garage, mm-hmm. and it was actually water damaged, yeah. and I had uh, gold coins just falling out of this box because oh, I was buying amazing. it as quick as I could, but I had yeah. to liquidate all of it. Yeah, there was a yeah so, our, our old building like it's actually just right across the street from where we're at right now. Yeah, they there was like a, a kind of a gold dealer there that I would just like every month I'd buy some more and more and more. But yeah. I had to right before everything shot up in price, I I sold it all. But since I've I've done, yeah, I've I've stocked up so you do work okay i, I had well, meant not that i recommend it but I, I would say it's like you I, I recommend understanding why i would recommend it okay and which kind of sounds weird I but i would say you know understand why just don't go do it understand like why what, what the purpose is yeah because my my yeah the purpose is this but in the end it's kind of like if you're if you're doing it to get like a big return right then when you know you, you when you're trying to sell it what are you selling it for yeah. right and who's going to be willing to, to buy it, right? Well, if yeah, spikes, unless we like, forget when the economy was bad in the 70s, they were telling everybody, go buy gold, go buy gold, go buy gold. And then by the 80s, it had hit rock bottom exactly. and all those gold buyers lost everything. I know. So, so. It's, one of the, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, do the research and understand understand why, right? Yeah. Then make a, make a decision. But I would, my big thing is it's the whole three, three-edged coin, right? It's, I say that. What does the opposite person say? Mm. Learn what they say and why they say it, then make a decision. Okay. Yeah. I got you. That's my big thing. Well, very good. Yeah, dude. All right. So anything else that we're missing? No, I think that, that I've, that's a wealth of stuff. People are going to have to listen to this podcast several times, mm. I think, to get everything out of it. Yeah, and no. seriously, if you guys know anything about Korea, email me. Love, I'd love to make some <laughs> com- comments. I'm serious. Yeah, I, I want to learn... <laughs> Yeah, I because there, there's not much out there. You know, it kind it, ha, it it leads you to just you know speculate. But I'd love to hear anybody's insight on that. That'd be kinda, for sure. That'd be cool. All right, all right, everyone. Thank you for uh, for listening. We'll be back. Uh, we'll be back next week. If you guys want more information, Andy Tanner next week. Yes, that's going to be a rich dad uh, advisor. Andy one. Tanner. Yeah, it'll be literally. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> that was stupid. And leave all us right, a review. So, yeah, leave us a review. Go to uh, thewellstandard.com because there we have some goodies, some articles, some other stuff. If you guys want to learn more about. Uh, uh, about getting educated and learning more. All right, everyone. Thanks. Uh, thanks again. We'll talk to you next week. Bye bye.
You've been listening to the Wealth Standard Podcast, the gold standard in all things financial. 